And then, ultimately, it went to Milton f***ing Keynes, which is its full name. MFK. Milton f***ing Keynes. I suppose to MFI, which was... Is MFI still on the go? They went under, didn't they? No, they went under. What else has gone under in the UK recently? Here, it just seems to be mom and pop businesses. Oh, and quite a few department stores because I've seen in Birmingham they're closing down John Lewis oh there's a lot of that going on there's a lot of places that are closing store not reopening stores oh I mean the list is is endless really Pret-a-Manger up across I think they're closing a lot of places uh, Frankie and Benny's John oh, Lewis gone. oh there's there's loads loads because I think for some bizarre reason we, we have talked uh, a lot about conspiracy theories I think Coronavirus is specifically here to get Britain ready for Brexit and to be the pariah of the planet. People have died across the world uh, just to get ready for Brexit. It's Dominic, Dominic Cummings. I can't even say his name right. I'm that scared of him. Mm. Dominic Cummings' grand plan. Yeah. His plan so far, the next phase of it, is to turn the M20. Well, apparently the Brexit plan was supposed to be released Today, I haven't the ever lugubrious and articulate Pretty Patel was taking questions on it today in Parliament. I've not seen what she had to say for herself, but I presume it was unintelligible. And so, but I think they weren't ready to publish it, even though they're supposed to publish it this morning. They went, well, it's not ready yet, which I thought, well, that, that's a little, that's a little sort of parable, isn't it, for the whole thing. And they've turned, I think the M20 has been turned into a car park, which uh, people are, are quite brilliantly. I think calling the Farage Garage, well, the, Farage garage <laughs> the Farage Garage. Ah, um, yes, the Farage Garage. That that won't stick. Narrator. But it did. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And then, I mean, I think I think we're, we're doing a very good job of, of turning ourselves into, into a prior of the world, which seems to be the only thing now that we're any good at. Just turn into, I mean, because Downton Abbey's not on anymore, so we haven't even got that to fall back on. J.K. Rowling's upset everybody, so we haven't got that. Adele's not making music at the minute; she's she's just getting thin. Yeah, and uh, and so it's like, well, what else have we got? Harry Styles dressed as some sort of a dandy, and I, that's, I like and that, Harry and that, Styles a lot. Yeah, and we haven't even got Andy Murray. You know, he's 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 not he's not. So what we've got we've got nothing. The Premier League doesn't got any supporters in it, so all we can do is just. Make the world laugh at us. I mean, actually, I mean, I think that is that is the British sort of public service, really. That's us performing a public service for the world in terms of taking all the heat off other nations that may have done a spectacularly bad job of, let's say, managing a pandemic, for example. And we, we are very selflessly, I think, as a nation, uh, just saying to you, don't worry, we've got this. We'll make ourselves look like the biggest bunch of t- you could possibly imagine. And even though in Mongolia there's now cases of the bubonic plague, don't worry, you're not going to take that crown away from us because it's about the only crown that we have left. Because they're even cancelling that, aren't they? Not even as making as many yeah. series of that on Netflix, as they say. We're, 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 we're truly good. Well, I think the bubonic plague already exists in Doncaster and it has done for around 27 <laughs> years. So... <laughs> It's no great shakes. It's an amazing, it's an, an amazing slide from potential glory. We've just passed the anniversary of seven seven. The yes, amazingly, amazingly timed terrorist attack. So people on both America and the UK would understand the date. The the, the day 
before 7 7, mm. the UK, yeah. and I think, let's all admit it, David Beckham specifically, yeah. uh, was given the London 2012 Olympics. Then the yeah. next day, the terrorism happened. And, and Sebastian Coe. Seba- oh, I hate Sebastian Coe. I hate Sebastian Coe. The, the slide from glory is massive because London 2012, Danny Boyle showed the world with his opening ceremony how great Britain was. It was multicultural, it was uh, dynamic, it was technological, and we put on the world's greatest sporting event ever seen. Yeah. And since then, since the London 2012 Olympics, Danny Boyle has gone on to direct yesterday with Richard Chuffing Curtis. <laughs> David Beckham is just an ex-footballer now owning a very poor football side in Florida. He's like it's it's like he's run off like any good Essexman to Florida. Well, well he, he's, and, and he's and effectively done... turned into a peaky blinders mannequin, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he is now. He's he's a. But I think there is there's two things I think that will save this nation. I thought this last week when we were talking about Noel's house party, etc., and so on and so forth. I think one of the only joys left in Britain right now is watching Top of the Pops repeats and basically just being snarky about it on Twitter. So I think, and I've thought this for a long time, is that the only two things is to set up two new television channels. One, which just shows the Olympic opening ceremony on a, on an infinite loop forever mm. and ever and ever, just to hear the roar when Rowan Atkinson is, is Mr. Bean as uh, playing Chariot, the theme from Chariots of Fire and to see the Queen allegedly, you know, jumping out of a helicopter. It's oh, worth with it Bond. Just, with yeah. Bond, yeah. No narration. No, we don't have any narration. Don't want, I don't need Hugh Edwards and, and anybody else telling me what's going on. Just just put that on the loop. And also, a channel that just shows old television shows, Mysterious Cities of Gold, Ulysses 31. <laughs> All of these, and then repeats in full of either going live, live and kicking, you know, uh, number 73, Ghost Train, those types of things. And that's the only things, because I think they are now going to be, like, our, our, they need to be, we need a couple of comfort blankets, and they're the only things I can think of. Yeah, but there's, there's a not even bringing fo- Not even bringing football back has provided us with a comfort blanket. There's a difference Liverpool between a comfort blanket. There's a difference between a comfort blanket, though, and pure anesthesia. But at this and point... I, th- I, I think if Dominic Cummings, because he is the true leader of our nation now, could have his way, he would put down half the country. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not being funny. If, if we can have a llama providing us with antibodies to avoid coronavirus, then I'm sorry, Count Ducula can provide me with anesthesia against basically everything in the world. It's not going to be Count Ducula. It's going to be Nanny. Nanny Poos. Yeah, of course. Oh, dear. Hey, Count Ducula. Who was who did the voice of Nanny Poos? Was it Joan Sims? Na- in Count Ducula? Yeah. Um, or was it just David Jason doing every role? It might have been just a, no. Oh no, I don't know. But fun, a fact about Count Ducula, which I never realised until they showed it on CITV's 30th birthday weekend years ago, was that the theme tune for Count Ducula was written by Mike Harding. Folk what, musician. What is it? The folk, folk yeah. musician, yeah. folk show on BBC Radio Two. Before that's the fella. Off. That's the fella. Wow. Yeah, and he sang it, and it's in the Vampire Hall of Fame. Yeah, and it was well, all done in Manchester. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> and, in is, spi- and, in spi- and, in, and in spite of that, <laughs> it's still great. No, love you, Manchester, really. 
No. Wow. That that or Danger Mouse. Which but no, or but, Cosgrove Hall. Or Cosgrove Hall. It's in that case then, it's effectively David Jason that needs to save us. Because he was yeah, the voice of Penfold, but... he's the voice of Count Duckula. He's the voice of Danger Mouse. He's, he's the voice yeah. of uh, Terry Scott was the voice of Penfold. Yes. Terry Scott's dead. Yeah. That's that's my really bro- niche. My brother. That's even more niche. <laughs> oh my god, in the school uniform. I always thought Terry Scott was the British version of Jonathan Winters. Okay. Who was this big American comic. Jonathan Winters yeah. played the baby in Mork and Mindy, sort of in his twilight years. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he was a, a great massive... influence of Robin yeah. Williams, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Very absurdist comic. Terry Scott was stranger than Terry and June ever alluded to. Terry Scott, even the carry-on stuff, he was a little bit off-kilter and he never got to be regarded as that. I I love Terry Scott in basically anything he's ever been in. Yeah. The, the carry-on films, I love. But My Brother was something that... Um, that I used to get sung to me when we were when we were kids. Didn't know all the words, but and then but I found and she learnt the words and all the rest of it. And I was actually moving a wardrobe as a non sequitur last night. I was helping <laughs> move a wardrobe at my mum and dad's house. Um, life has returned to normal when you're doing all that first line technical support. And can you help me te- let me tell you half an hour on the phone? And I, I, I instinctively, almost as a an involuntary reflex when we were moving the huge pieces of this like a full floor to length wardrobe that has to be now physically reconstructed I burst into Right Said Fred by Bernard Cribbins Cribbins now who produced both my brother and Right Said Fred who produced those if you say Mike Harding now I'm going to go and shit my pants no it wasn't it was none other than Sir George Martin oh Oh, that's nice. He he produced a lot of like comedy records in the sixties. He produced the now not not very culturally appropriate. Goodness gracious me! By um, uh, Peter, Peter Sellers and Sophia yeah. Loren. But weren't they all on Pickwick Publishing? A lot of those novelty oh, I don't records. Know. I don't know because I had stacks of seven-inch vinyl from Pickwick uh, when I was growing up, which was all my mum's records. Yeah, lots of nursery rhymes, but then lots and lots of. I quite like goodness gracious me. Bum titty bum titty bum titty bum titty. I quite like it. And yeah, it's probably not very cool to say that now. No, but then, uh, but then, goodness gracious me, the TV show flipped it on its head and made that it is, great. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, the going out for an English sketch is one of the greatest sketches in British comedy history. It's brilliant, and every single one of them is ace. Including Bhaskar and Sayal, who got married. It's beautiful. But I mean, it's it's almost as culturally inappropriate as Elo Mudder, Elo Fada by Alan Sherman. But even that, do you know? But the other night, I went for a walk the other night on Friday night. It was a nice evening, so I went for a walk and walked around a pond in in Warrington and. We sat down, basically. No, no, it was nice, nice pond, (laughs) nice pond, place called Acker's Pit, right? And we sat down. There was loads and loads of ducks around there, so I sat down. And again, something that just popped into my head was the Ugly Duckling by Danny Kay. There once was an ugly duckling. But even singing that, and and I said we used to have this on the tape that we had when we were kids called Hello Children Everywhere. It was a double cassette of playing all those things. Like, um, and I, I went and checked the track listing. And there's some very inappropriate stuff on there. There's uh, Rolf. Um, so he wouldn't. 
exactly. Yeah, uh, and, you know things like was the Camp Town races and the Laughing Policeman and all of this stuff. Oh and yeah, I know, I know an old lady who swallowed a fly and all that. And I was like, but but you know, once was an ugly duckling, but almost like singing a song that was that old. I always felt. Even though that song is, there's nothing offensive about that song at all. I almost felt wrong singing it just because it was old. There once was an ugly ducking, feathers all stubby and brown. And I was like, yeah, get out of yeah. town. It's like the because the, the, well, it's like the inference actually is completely innocent. And if it's a story, and obviously it has a lovely happy ending, but it is insidious because this little. Yeah. Ugly duckling with brown feathers then turn into a beautiful big white swan. Beautiful swan. Oh, shit. It just feels, even though it's like, no, it's like, no. Well, I think, I think this is the problem with racists. Uh, this is a massive generalization. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> with racists, we're discussing this and we're sort of seeing, oh, there is wrongness in there and there is a, an insidiousness in there that may not have been put in there on purpose. Yeah. But it's accrued that double meaning. The problem with racists is because we're attacking their sensibilities of going, that can be misconstrued. You shouldn't support a football team called the Washington Redskins. They see it as an attack upon their childhood and everything that they were taught by people that they loved. So if you go, you're racist, you like that, they go, oh, you're attacking my mama. Uh, So basically, uh, my generalisation is, Every racist person has mother issues. Yeah, is that is that mother goose? Yes, mother goose. I saw. It, um, watch, watch with you've got watch or slash listen with mother issues is basically your, yeah. your problem. But but actually, do you know, in terms of obviously the, the Redskins now not being called the Redskins anymore, um, I've actually got my favourite jumper, my favourite hoodie is a Cleveland Indian sweater, and I'm genuinely bothered about wearing it now. Yeah. I've had um, it for. Uh, longer than I should admit and I won't admit how long I've had it but it's like I love that sweat because it's so comfortable but I'm almost like I don't think I should go out and wear it now they're looking at getting rid of that name as well but then you compare and contrast to uh, Wilfred Zahar getting messages before playing the villa and it transpires that this little racist shit sending messages to Zahar was 12 and then I, I saw outside of Stamford Bridge, even though the fans weren't allowed in, this absolute idiot screaming all lives matter and making his kids, they couldn't have been more than eight or nine, carry signs saying all lives matter. It's like they see an adult as gospel. Anything that an adult says is real. And for this little kid to be brandishing an all lives matter billboard, it's 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 hardwired into their head. Well, and it's that thing of kids aren't born racist; they just become racist because they don't see anything wrong in it. Well, that's the thing with the, with the Wilfred Zaha thing. My first instinct last night was when I discovered that the person I'd seen the, I'd seen the tweet that obviously had done the rounds in the afternoon, and I'd seen that. And I thought, dear me, this is just appalling, reprehensible, vomit-inducing, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it. But then when I heard on the news last night, just before much of the day, that it was a 12-year-old, yeah. my first instinct was, well, not that it, not that it's just that it's wrong, but my, then my, my next thought was, how has a 12-year-old ended up with thinking that that is acceptable? Where has that come from? How did, how? A, how did a 12-year-old kid send, I think Instagram, wasn't it? An Instagram yeah. message with picture attachments of racist... Breakfast uh, cereals. From like... 1930s and 50s America 
send this to Wilf. I'm just agog. It's back in Birmingham. We live next to the most beautiful family. They're two boys. The little lad was a sports nuts. Went to the villa week in, week out. Went to all the Bears summer camps at Edgbaston. Could not get enough of sport. And I think he's about nine, maybe ten now. And I can't imagine him sending a great footballer racist messages. So how the heck is a 12-year-old doing it? That's two years on. What's been baked in so much to this poor kid that they think it's okay? Man. As you said before, it's, it's that we're taking the mantle of being in Britain, the world's just crappiest place in, sort of in terms of self-owning and just going, shooting ourselves in the foot at every conceivable turn. We're doing it by just like, thing, just doing things like that, that just typifies. It's like players can go and take the knee for weeks and weeks and weeks and they can have in the, having these really positive conversations about, right, okay, how do we change things? What do we need to do? Keeping it front and centre of the conversation and and making sure that it's 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 in people's minds and in their consciousness because that's the only way it's going to change you can't just be allowed to just disappear again and then that happens and it's mm. like well that but then that it, weirdly it's almost if it's almost a good thing because in because that happening mm. means that it's not going to go people aren't going to go right oh I'm going right well oh god are they still taking the bloody knee oh god and right. I'm, we get I'm so oh, hang on. No, this is why we need to keep doing it because things like this, they add fuel to that, that fire that in the belly to go, right, we need to keep this conversation going because it's the only way change is going to, positive change is going to happen. It came out today as well that after beating Chelsea 3-0, Eddie McGoldrick of Sheffield United has also been getting messages. And what shocked uh, me the most wasn't the fact that uh, oh no, more racist messages to a footballer. The fact that it wasn't the same Eddie McGoldrick that used to play for Arsenal in the 90s. That's he's black. And <laughs> I'm, not not going, yeah. I'm not going, what? Edit, no, Eddie McGoldrick's no. still playing Premier League football? He must be about 50. Well, it's not even his name. His name's David McGoldrick. Is it David McGoldrick? <laughs> Who's Eddie? Eddie McGoldrick was the former winger that used to play for Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Man City, Arsenal. in the Republic yeah, of Ireland. He played with Anders Limpar in the same he team. Did, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, yeah. Not, not the, not the same bloke. Is it his dad? Never it took know. me. It took me about three seasons to work out that Daily Blint was Danny Blint's son. I thought Daily Blint was still continuing, but under a different name. <laughs> I am that stupid. <laughs> There's a joke I could have made there, which about about Daily Blint's name, but I won't. About being a periodical for the, the visually impaired. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Although you can make blind jokes on, on a podcast, you just can't make deaf ones. <laughs>